0: Welcome to podcast 205 from the Wiggly Sofa here in Lower Blakemere, West Herefordshire on a cold, wet, rainy, windy morning. And actually the sun's just come out now, so it's looking better. I'm joined by... Heather. Uh, Thank you for that uh, enthusiastic (laughs) and effervescent response. What little nuggets of juiciness have you got for us this morning?
1: This morning, Farmer Phil, we go and meet Noel, who's got a problem with the mealworms, which everything's going to be solved by carrots, and it's all Rachel's fault, apparently.
0: It's mostly Rachel's fault.
1: Um, I've tried to record the chickens because the chickens were clucking and cockerelling and crowing, and when I put the microphone by them, they just looked at me silently. And we also go and see the wiggly orders, what's going on in the office, too. But first of all, I want to talk about C. F-E, Campaign for the Farmed Environment, which was launched a couple of weeks ago by Mr Bean, sorry, (laughs) Mr Ben, um, at an RSPB farm. And I want to know from your point of view what it is, and then I shall make sure that the correct definition of the campaign for farmed environment is also put out on this show. So... Give us your lowdown, Farmer Phil.
0: Well, the campaign for the farmed environment arose from the fact that it was realised that set-aside, and for those of you uh, in in Guatemala who don't know what set-aside is, those are areas that the government made us not crop, were actually quite valuable wildlife resources. So
1: they started off by saying, we don't want as much food. As they took them out of production, they became more naturalised. There was wildlife, so that was a, a side one, one benefit. One of the
0: management options of set-aside was what they called natural regeneration. So you could just let whatever was going to grow, grow. Yeah. And in large part, they provided quite a wildlife benefit. There was a resource, food resource there, variation of foods, and an environment that was good. So that when they decided that actually food was getting too expensive and they needed to produce more food to try and bring the price down, and therefore decided to do away with set-aside, there was outcry from those NGOs who were involved with the environment and wildlife, such as the RSPB, that all this wildlife habitat was going to get ripped up. And so in response to that, it was then suggested that we had two options, that we either had set-aside returned in a, a mandatory form, or we could do something as an industry that was voluntary. And that voluntary package, if you like, would include environmental measures, joining up with the environmental schemes, justifying what you did on the farm and documenting it. And that is loosely what the campaign for the farmed environment is about. It's supposed to be a voluntary scheme for farmers to demonstrate with tangible measures of the benefits, so counting wildlife and, and the improvements and so on,
1: Just a minute, the government used to pay for the land that wasn't cropped, because obviously if you're not cropping land, you're not earning an income from that land, so the government compensated you for the set-aside at so much per acre. What was it?
0: If you think in terms of you receive a quantity of subsidy for your farming, but you still receive that subsidy for set-aside land as long as you manage it within their rules.
1: So as a taxpayer I am paying you to do nothing.
0: Yep, you put a bottom line across my business for historical reasons mostly and now what they're doing is shifting the money from that bottom line across my business into the more environmentally based schemes.
1: Okay, so I'm a market gardener and I'm producing vegetables every day and I've got my greenhouse and the government comes along and says actually For a quarter of that land, you need to make sure it's got trees and wildlife, so you have to take that out of production, but I'm going to pay you for it. If you like. Okay.
0: In the farmer's case, the government decided that they want to manipulate what farmers do. So, originally it started because they wanted to manipulate how much food farmers produce, and now they're using it to manipulate the price of the food that farmers produce, And most recently of all, they're changing that manipulation to boost the environmental benefits that farmers can bring to their environment, the farmed environment.
1: But all businesses have areas that can't produce stuff. Absolutely. Look at Wiggly Wiggler. So, you know, we've gone out and developed our garden and we feed the birds with our seed every week and we have to have an area for the staff to have a cup of tea. And, you know, not everything can be rammed full of production the whole time so why do farmers need a special the
0: difficulty is in an ideal world and the way i would like to see it is that my customers the people who eat the food that i produce or buy the seed or whatever that i produce will pay me a price which reflects what they think of what i do
1: Yeah, but you're always going to want more, aren't you?
0: Well, the point is that at the moment, without subsidy, I think the figure is about 75% of farm businesses would make a loss. If you just get rid of 75% of the businesses, you've got a big problem on your hands. And this is because of the historic effect of subsidy.
1: What's happened in New Zealand then? Because they have a very small market... There's not many people there. They're the fifth largest producer of export for livestock, I believe, in the world. Yep. They have a worldwide brand. They have fantastic environmental benefits and they have absolutely no subsidy.
0: Absolutely. They used to have subsidy. Yeah. And their government took the fairly courageous step of saying, right, from this point, we're going to stop subsidy altogether. And we've got the time between now and then to fix our marketing and so on, to make it so it works. They did, and it does work, and it took roughly 10 years from the point that they stopped having subsidy for the farmers to get back to the position that they were in.
1: So that's what you'd like to happen?
0: I would, but I can't see how it's going to happen in this country because we get a lot more subsidy. And the biggest trouble of all is that no government is going to say, right, we get rid of all that raft of bureaucracy and all the costs and we'll knock it off the taxable liability of of the taxpayer. No government can afford to do it. And the other problem, of course, is that it's all very well if the UK took that very bold step. But we've got the whole of Europe and various other places, you know, America is close enough. New Zealand is out in the middle of nowhere producing large quantities of food. Compared, But
1: their farmers haven't gone out and wrecked the environment, as far as I know. They have a very high environmental standard, they have a very low carbon footprint, they're very efficient...
0: They are efficient, but wrecking the environment is too strong a word. In New Zealand, there's a campaign for them actually to do much more conservation work because their style of farming on the whole is quite good for the environment, but they are intensive farmers as well. I wouldn't describe it as wrecking the environment, but there is a campaign in New Zealand that now you're making a profit, let's be using some of that profit to enhance the environment. That is how I think it should be in this country because that brings the responsibility of the job to the farmer. OK.
1: Fast forward. So the government said the set aside isn't brilliant. We're now going to make sure that we've got two schemes, ELS and HLS. What's that stand for?
0: Entry-level scheme, scheme and higher-level High level scheme. scheme.
1: So that means that you will move into those schemes. Once you've signed up for those schemes, you are totally safe because we'll pay you but you will have guaranteed that some of the production is handed over for wildlife, that you've got stewardship, so you have make sure that your cows aren't fouling watercourses, that there's beautiful wildflower meadows up the strips of your field, and all is tickety-boo.
0: Yes. Personally, I'm not convinced. I, I mean, I've got good friends who are in ELS and HLS and their farms are fantastic. You know, I can appreciate them as the environmental joy that they are. But I don't trust the government that they will change the payments. They already have changed the payments. The month that they've launched the campaign for the farmed environment, they've shut the schemes because of some bureaucratic... Uselessness about changing the schemes, changing the criteria, so they can't have people applying under the old criteria and being rejected under the new criteria. Wait a minute, they set up
1: the scheme to launch the campaign for the farmed environment, and it said here that the idea is to encourage people to join ELS. Yep. And they shut the scheme the week after. Yep. Right.
0: And there can be no applications for ELS until sometime unspecified in the new year when they've sorted themselves out.
1: But basically, we're all aiming for the same thing. As far as I can see, it's very simple. You can moan about the government and you can moan about the different representative groups, but basically, what everyone wants is good food production locally with a balanced biodiversity.
0: Absolutely. And, I mean, you know as well as I do that my aim is to have a balanced and, as far as I can get it, sustainable farming operation, mixing good efficient farming with good mixed habitat and all the rest of it. What What? I want is to be held to account by my customer on that. What I object to in big measure is prescriptive legislation, which is highly expensive, being landed on me. Why?
1: Moaning about these things, listen to the targets. Right, this is a good thing, absolutely. This is a voluntary That's... scheme. Listen to this the campaign has agreed to meet a number of national targets over a three year period one, supporting the increased uptake of entry level stewardship. Okay. Doubling the take up of key infield options within ELS. Yep. What is that? That is. That
0: means management options which are designed to give space to the wildlife. So beetle
1: banks.
0: Margins, watercourse buffer strips, leaving corners which have.
1: All good stuff.
0: Yeah, no argument there.
1: Retaining a certain level of uncropped land. Now that's 179,000 hectares across England. So that is the same amount of set-aside, in inverted commas, as there was when the government was paying for it. So they want the same amount left as when they were compensating for it. That has to be a good thing.
0: As long as it's the right land, yes. Yeah,
1: And improve the management of a third of this land. So that means, instead of your dad saying, what a waste of rubbish land, what a waste that actually... They're going to grow trees on it. They're going to do active Well, no, trees. they're not
0: going to grow trees on it. They will be quite critical, I think, that the, the land has to be farmable. So where I've left land and we've got a certain amount of scrub and things growing on it, that's breaking the rules. But
1: you're never going to agree on everything. I'm carrying on. Increasing the level of voluntary environmental management by 30,000 hectares. That's good. Mm. Promote the participation of environmental management with the aim of getting 60% of farmers not engaged in the ELS, that's you, to undertake some form of voluntary environmental management effort on their land.
0: Uh, what about them all who are already doing fantastic environmental measures on their land? They don't want to be in the ELS like me, but they do feel passionately about their farm and their wildlife. And they're sat here, like me, Thinking there is another raft of legislation coming my way to make me prove that I do what I already do. Why?
1: Because previously they had encouraged farmers to go completely intensive, and thereby grubbing up hedges, Absolutely. reducing I have biodiversity. No criticism of so that. now they're changing their ways, and you're still moaning about no, it. No,
0: I'm moaning because I want my customer to judge me, not the, ju- the government. Tim, I don't T. trust the government.
1: Tim Teague, I want you on this podcast. The campaign for the farmed environment is a brilliant idea. It's essential that we do it. I have no objection.
0: I think it's by far the best option, given the options that the government put up. And I've got no problem with the organisations who support it, Flag and Leaf notably. You won't hear any criticism from me as that being the best way forward. The bits of it that I don't trust are the government bits. And it is DEFRA who I don't trust... They are untrustworthy and repeatedly show themselves to be. How can you launch something which the industry is promoting, the RSPB are promoting, and then shut down the schemes that are a cornerstone of it for two or three months of the year when the weather's bad, we have the time and the inclination to do all the paperwork that is required to join these schemes. We'll get to the springtime. We're all busy again then because it's spring work and the cattle are going out and all the rest of it and they'll reopen the scheme and we're all looking at each other. We've just spent three months putting our wellies on and moping around in the yard. We could have done all that paperwork. They are useless.
1: If you're moping around, can you please put Monty's Brian May photo <laughs> up on the wall? Because that's been on those stairs for the past three months.
0: I can, because I shan't be preparing any ELS for And also,
1: can you make sure, if you're moping, that you always keep my fire log basket full? And even a bit of tea on the table would be great. Tim Teague, I want you, you, you on my sofa. Let's go and see what Noel, our dear Irish mealworm lady, and beehive painter, and bug box painter, and generally good egg and wife of Kevin who works on the farm. I was going
0: to say, and chief supplier of fairy cakes to Kevin.
1: Absolutely. And looker after of the cat when we're away. Let's go and see what Noel is up to I'm going into Noel's shed And the last time the media went into Noel's shed Was three weeks ago And it was Sky News And everyone rang up Noel and said We saw you, we saw you on the telly Noel, I've joined you in the shed Because I know you've got a really busy day coming up and there's two things that you've got to do really quite important and that is painting bug boxes. What's going on there? I don't know. Are they ordering too many? It's the sage green
2: oh. that there's a demand on.
1: Really? Yes. Well I'll be sage and, green.
2: And seagrass I suppose Oh so both well. the
1: green ones? Yes. Are they your um, favourite colours or not? Yeah
2: I do like the sage. Yeah. Because it looks like uh, it's Nice in the garden, yeah. I think, I don't and then want, with I the weather, like the red. I don't like the red, no, no I don't. But Lavender anyways. is nice, sage and seagrass is nice, blue. The gopher as well.
1: I don't suppose the bugs mind what color it is, really. Well, they
2: don't, as long as they've got the bark
1: filled and the stem, stem. filled, yes. yes. And the other job we've got is this isn't a very nice job, is it? But basically. We've got too many mealworms over the last few weeks and they're starting to have a bit of a problem. So today, tell my dear listener what you're going to do. What I'm going to do, I'm going to put them all in clean trays. Yes. Put plenty of bran in. Fresh bran. Fresh bran and some carrots. And I am going to get you a net full of carrots from our local farm shop as a treat for those worms yes
2: and i'm going to see better by the smell of the carrots <laughs> and i'll be eating them <laughs> so i will
1: see them better so that will la- make them last better and food them feed yes, them yes and uh, allow the moisture to go from those worms yes. and they
2: must be kept apart you know um, spaces between each row if they're all pushed together the condensation gets underneath the trays. Ah, really? So you I told Rachel, I'm not talking about saying. Ma- a, a, a no, of course, a, a, course not. But I said, Rachel, you <laughs> must keep a space between them and it down the rows where you can walk. Absolutely. it mustn't be closed up because the ear gets in between. And so your message to Rachel is, please keep <laughs> a space between the trays. I am not telling you off, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't do that. <laughs> Thank you, no. I wouldn't. You're a star. Have a nice day. Yes, I'm just going to start now and finish my mealworms. Then I'm going to paint. Yes. And then I'm go, after lunch, I'm going to go up and
1: do the mealworms. And I'm going to go and get your carrots. Oh, you better get the carrots. I will. Bye-bye. Definitely. Bye-bye. So there we are. Bags of carrots in the back of my car to feed the mealworms. Let's go and see all about the Wiggly Office, which is building up for Christmas. Right, I've popped in the Wiggly office. I'm just going to join Karen on the phones to hear what's going on bing, this morning. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they are so busy. Bing, bing. <laughs> Have they started yet? Bing, came <laughs> <boom>, no, <up> quite. <laughs> um, listen, what, what are you phoning up about? Is it Christmas order the time? Or? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Socks are going out like socks. Hot cakes. <laughs> socks are going out like there's No sock yeah. tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Have you got bing. all the colours in? No, <laughs> um, <laughs> <most. laughs> More coming in today, I believe. Robbie Goatsock is... Uh, busy knitting yes. up on the hill I always so, imagine her like the shreddies nannies you know knitting absolutely her, yeah. and that's exactly yeah. right and occasionally she dips them in a big bucket of dye and mm-hmm. then irons them out <laughs> it's true really yes. I wish it wasn't but <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately it's true anything else that's really popular at the moment oh mushrooms Really, mm, mushroom dowels seem to be the big must-have thing for this year. Excellent, thank you very much. I'm going over to Nicole. Dear listener, you won't have met Nicole before. Nicole has brought an air of sophistication <laughs> to the weekly <wiggly laughs> office. As, well as she can, because not only has she supplied us with the biggest rubber tree in the world. She also has this collection of furry toys on her desk. <laughs> is that oh, sophistication, yeah. is it? Well, i know, sure. It's quite homely, isn't it? It is. Uh, it her is. desk has got water, photos of her loved ones, beautiful little <laughs> things that I can't explain, rabbits and... Uh, well, what are they? Well, there's a little dog and yeah. a rabbit and a hedgehog. <laughs> Listen, how long have you been working here? Five or six months, I think, now. And now you can tell me, mm-hmm. just between the two of us, how's it going love oh i love it yeah it's really nice it's a lovely place to be is it Mm. what about when those customers phone up and say my package hasn't
2: arrived and it's all your fault well that's fine we apologize and we fix it and we make it all better excellent and what are you doing today i am currently sorting out the web orders ready for those to go on this morning and waiting for the phone to start ringing which should be anytime now i I expect it
1: will be Mm. You see to the web reviews, don't you? I do indeed. And we've got a new scheme. We Can have. you explain it? Yes, yeah, absolutely. The new scheme is if you uh, do
2: a lovely web review or a not so lovely web review, doesn't matter way, which way, you know, but we like nice ones. We do but like nice yeah, ones, but so much matter. better. yeah You are entered into a drawer, and every month we pick a name out of a hat, and that name receives a £50 Wiggly voucher.
1: Wow. And have you got
2: all the names saved, Nidkai? I have indeed. I've got a lovely spreadsheet. Excellent. We which tells us not only who you are, but what you've done a review on, so we can keep an eye on that as well. And it's it's nicely
1: organised. Fantastic! And there we go, right Fantastic. on cue. Is Absolutely. The phone. Have a good day. Thanks for being interviewed on the Wiggly Podcast. Good morning, Rikers. Good morning, yes, sir. That's what mm-hmm. Now, before we end, Farm and Phil and I took a walk up. ...to see the new animals on the farm.
0: Well, they come every year, but yes.
1: OK, so we're out right in the field where the cows could come out to. Well, as you can see,
0: uh, the mess that they would make if they came out here would be considerable.
1: Yeah, it is pretty sodden. Anyway, looking ahead, we have a field... Well, what is this field?
0: It's a field of grass seed. so we combined it this summer for the first time to get the seed off it and the byproduct was the grass seed straw that we're feeding the cattle in the yards and so now it looks like a sort of rather badly mown lawn Um, and there's a certain amount of grass growing in amongst the stubble, what was left when we combined it and that will grow on to be combined again next year for the second year.
1: But we haven't got any sheep and the field seems to be full of sheep.
0: No, well, the reason... We've already mentioned that the ground is too wet to turn the cattle on the grass.
1: Yeah, so why is it okay for a sheep? Well,
0: a sheep is a lot lighter on the grass than the cattle. Right. Now, the reason the sheep are here is twofold. Each grass plant grows from the ground, so the growing point of a grass plant is at the bottom, whereas most plants, the growing point is at the top. Now, what I want the sheep to do is to graze this grass off so that it takes out any seedlings in between the plants grazes off any tillers that are growing on last year's stubble so in the spring i'm just left with the neat plant at the bottom ready to grow away so yeah. this
1: would be a r- really good way of managing your wild flower medder.
0: it could be if you could get them to eat it
1: Hmm, interesting
0: but i mean that that is true that traditional yeah. pasture management includes winter grazing but in this case what I want them to do is essentially to clean the stubble up and graze the grass down it's actually very good for the sheep too but
1: But you said there's no sweetness in the grass there isn't
0: much but there aren't many sheep on here right they've got plenty of room to go at and in this case it's quite a high quality grass so although it's not as good as it is in the summer it's still not bad it's a, a sports turf grass, this particular one but they will graze that all down neatly and then when it comes to grow in the spring it will grow away nice and clean.
1: I see but I mean whose sheep are they and what's it doing for the sheep?
0: Well what it's doing for the sheep, they belong to our neighbour Tony Dale down the road and what it's doing for the sheep, in this case they're ewes out there so that he's put them on here with plenty of space and the grass in front of them to tuck them so that you get use in lamb by getting them on a rising plane of nutrition. And that basically means they're putting on ah, condition. Flushing. Flushing.
1: So they come out and they get a nice meal and then they fancy a bit of rumpty pumpty. Exactly.
0: And with a bit of luck the tup's about to give them a bit of rumpty pumpty. And these ones have been here a while now, so that they should be all in lamb by now I think. And later on after Christmas Sometime after Christmas, Tony will start taking them away to lamb them at home.
1: So bearing in mind that there you are measuring two pounds of this and two pounds of that and this much soy and that much whatever, how does he know that he's got the right amount of food for these sheep?
0: Well, because the grass is a lot less concentrated in its nutrition than my hard food, the sheep know to some extent, and how he will judge it is he will judge how fat or not the sheep are. So in this case because they've got plenty of space and they're not hungry, he can manage it in terms of how much condition is on the sheep.
1: Isn't it all a bit haphazard because how do you know that each sheep is cost effective? Because how much have you charged him for this land?
0: He will pay me a figure per sheep per week for them living here.
1: Right, so you secretly want him to have more sheep...
0: Well, no, because I don't want them to trash the field. Right. The sheep are actually doing me a favour because okay. they're helping my arable crop, which this is. Yeah. So it's a, it's another example of the coexistence of of mixed farming. So not only, you know, I value this crop for the seed it produces, the fact that it produces grass seed straw for my cows, and sheep grazing for the sheep as part of the management protocol is brilliant to me. You know, it, it all fits, it's a crop I like. The fact that it's good for the wildlife, the barn owls love it, and all the rest of it is another box ticked in its favour that fits with why I want to do it.
1: So, if, you know, we've lost the last dairy farmer in our valley, mm. so if we lost the sheep farmers, what well, would you do then? Well,
0: you, you, I'd have to do it mechanically. So, I'd go, come out here with essentially like a mower and I'd have to mow off what I'm persuading the sheep to eat. Right. And I'd have to perhaps scarify it and use chemicals. Now, I use some chemicals to kill the seedlings now, but for me, the sheep do a really good job of cleaning it up. But this is why all these politicians who sort of charge off in one direction or another, saying we don't want this or we don't want that because of this, that and the other. They rarely look at the whole story.
1: Oh, get off your soapbox. It's your fault. You gave us BSE and foot and mouth and whatever it was. Um, Now listen, there's a... I can't let that stop, actually. Uh, Uh,
0: You eat, and you need farmers to eat, and you need to tell farmers what you want to eat, and then they will provide what you want to eat.
1: That's absolutely fine, but if you boil up stuff...
0: I don't think it. that any farmer did. It was the politicians who did that.
1: A detail, detail. Listen, just before we go, through this field is a plodded path.
0: Ah, that's a- not a plodded path actually. Oh. That's where the water ran down the field last year in the winter time when we had all that rain before Christmas, and you can see that we're looking up the bank into the woods, so when all that catchment it all ran down that channel and washed that little Channel good down
1: the field. I thought you were going to say it's a badger run, but it's In that not.
0: case, it's not.
1: Very good. Off we go. If you'd like to feed back on this week's show or any other, you can email me, heather at wigglywigglers.co.uk
0: or pwg at lowerblakemere.co.uk, that's me, Farmer Phil.
1: Or Ricardo at... He's not with us today but he'll be back soon and that's richard at wigglywigglers.co.uk and you can even email Rach, she likes receiving emails, rach at wigglywigglers.co.uk We hope to be back with you next week, until then have a lovely time and if you need any Christmas presents for anybody green, environmentally friendly if you're a farmer or you want to get your birds a treat
0: I was going
1: to say, or you're a robin. Or you're a robin, then you must come to www.wigglywigglers.co.uk. And if you think we can't export to California, you'd be right. We can send you a few socks, but if you've got any relatives in Blakemere or surrounding areas of Britain, we would love to have your order. Most popular product this morning is? Wiggly posies. If you want to send say, your loved one a wiggly posy, we'd love to have your order. Buy from me. And buy from me.